just love food, always have, and have always been involved in doing you know, some something in my life with it. And it's been a really nice way to, to build, a, now I'm a little older, this really relaxed lifestyle around the business. This is The Producers. I'm Anthony Huckstep. After a career traversing the globe as a photojournalist, Tim Wimborne and his family moved to regional New South Wales and his new food journey began. First with native mountain pepper and now with an incredible pasta and flatbread offering under the banner of Braidwood Food Company. My name is Tim Wimborne and my business is the Braidwood Food Company. I did. It's unintentional, the business. I started doing something completely different. So, um, a, a very quick bit of background. I trained as a chef. And I worked in journalism for 20 years. Came back um, to Australia at the end of 2016. And my wife and I owned a farm and we wanted to do something with it. Probably something foodie because that's what I'm interested in. And quite serendipitously, just before that happened, we were with a... Uh, someone who's become a friend, she's an ecologist, and she was on our property, and she just very casually mentioned to me what a lot of pepper I had growing there. And I had no idea what she was even talking about. And it was native Australian pepper, which, which, is, which is great. And I, I had no idea it was there. We'd owned this farm for 20-odd years. Uh, so we looked into it. The more I looked at it, you know, my wife suggested, maybe we should be growing potatoes. And I said, I don't know if I really want to break my back for a dollar a kilo. And we looked into this pepper, and... There is huge demand in Europe for it and all sorts of things. So I started to taste it and cook with it and just loved it. I fell in love with it and it's just fantastic. So that part of the journey anyway started on our farm growing pepper. So uh, I'd sort of left my, my journalism career behind. I wanted to change and turn my attention to establishing a, a native pepper orchard. Um, we're, our farm's about 20 k's outside Braidwood in the Southern Tablelands. And it's all started from there. So that's where we got our start. And thanks to the bushfires <laughs> a few years ago, which wiped out the whole farm and we lost the whole orchard and all the infrastructure that went with it. Um, I really had to do something. And literally we sat there with the smoke still, you know, rising from the burnt stumps. And my wife said, oh, why don't you buy that little building in town that was for sale and build a kitchen? Uh, and I did. And here we are, three and a half years later, and the business is roaring. So, yeah, it, I had no plans at all for that side of the business, but it worked really well. And, uh, and that's what we do now. And we still use native pepper in a number of the things that we produce. But we've really you know, spread our, our, our wings a little bit more than that and, uh, and just make the most of living what has become really quite a foodie area around here now. 20 years ago when we bought the farm, it wasn't. But... There's now a critical mass of, you know, growers, producers and people doing really interesting things with food down here that it's become quite a foodie town and it's, it's really worked well to be working in the heart of that. Food has always been important in Tim's life and it led to beginning a career as a chef. I was, I was kind of fortunate, I think, because I grew up in a household that both my parents cooked and they cooked lots and they were both really interested in food from every corner of the planet really so we ate really well at home it was really nice and for me to start an apprenticeship as a, as a cook it was I was confident enough in the kitchen and confident with flavors and so on that I was pretty comfortable pretty soon to work in that environment so that was kind of nice but I gotta say I mean one of the 
The main things I do now is I make a certain kind of pasta here and my tra I trained under a German chef and there was literally no pasta in my life early on. Um, he was a really good chef to train under but it was a completely different kind of food and it was a really interesting time. I started my apprenticeship in the late 80s and all these sort of Asian fusions were coming in and we used to refer to that style of food as modern Australian, but it just really meant a fusion of all these different influences from all around the globe. And you try and put them all into a menu using all sorts of, you know, new foods. I can remember when we had, you know, emu on the menu, basically back in the late 80s and, and crocodile and all these things. Of course, things, those things that have come and uh, some of them have been accepted and some haven't. Um, but it was a really kind of exciting time to be a young chef, you know, experimenting with different things. And I did that for a few years, uh, and then I, <laughs> I moved into photography, actually, and became a food photographer for a while. And that, you know, I moved into photojournalism, and I actually spent 15 to 20-odd years working around the world as a photojournalist. Um, so, yeah, completely different. Um, you know, and got married and had children and all those things. Um, and then a few years ago... I sort of ran out of steam a bit without all the travel and so on. We came back to Australia and, well, you know, the recent history with <laughs> growing native pepper and turning my attention back towards food and, and sort of getting into what I've done now in a really roundabout kind of way. Bushfires in 2019 destroyed his entire mountain pepper orchard and all of his equipment. But it led him to exploring pasta. Like I said, I never planned this at all. It just we really did it on the fly. Before the fires came and we were starting to establish our, our mountain pepper orchard, I had a really small harvest to start off with. We had about oh, twenty, I think we had twenty eight hundred plants on our farm, wild plants, and we would harvest. But it was a, still a small harvest. So to sort of extend that a little bit, value add to it, I started making pasta with just the pepper in it, just small amounts. And by the time the fires came around, I had, I think, four clients, retail clients, who I would sell the pasta to as a wholesaler. Um, the fires came, we changed direction, I built the kitchen, and um, we bought the, the building during the first COVID lockdown, actually, and I think most of our friends thought we were a bit mad. It was in, a, in the retail area of Braidwood. So just to give you an idea, it's, a, it's a, not a huge building, but it's all glass on the front. So the kitchen comes right up to the windows, and it's a bit like working in a fishbowl. So people can come up to the windows, press their noses up against it, and watch us making what we make, which I really quite enjoy. Um, so we, we built, built the kitchen and started there and within six months we had about 20 retail clients and it just w built from there. And it's been kind of a nice journey because it's grown organically. I, I don't put a lot of time into, you know, getting out there and making lots of phone calls and, and you know, pounding the street. Um, a lot of our, our retailers who, who, uh, who buy from us have found us, which is nice. Um, and it's usually the like-minded type of businesses who, who connect with us. So it's been a really nice way and we're still growing happily and um, we keep doing that. For Tim, everything he does in food is as much about honouring the products he makes as it is connecting with local producers. We're sort of directed by what, in the range of things I make, what grows here. So we limit ourselves to Everything we make is flavoured with local ingredients and here we are in this cold climate uh, and certain things grow really well here and 
people are trying all sorts of things. So I work with local, you know, literally family-owned farms, organic producers around the place who grow our flavour ingredients for us. And in one, one way of thinking, I suppose, you're limited by what's grown around here. We have ideas, we could do this or we could do that, but no, those sort of flavours don't grow around here. But it's kind of a nice way to work that you're working within a fairly limited range of, of options and you have to make what you've got work. And we experiment lots and come up with things that have worked well for us really, really well. Tim has created a job that he truly loves that also delivers an incredible work-life balance too. I never get in the kitchen before 9.30. <laughs> I don't really start. <laughs> I look, my, my wife, like every morning we, we, you know, we go out and, well, exercise and, and so on. And then we'll have coffee every morning. We start that morning. And there's lots of nice cafes in Braidwood. Like they've become a real foodie town. There's good quality coffee, good quality cafes and, and bakeries and things here. So we'll always have coffee and I'll get into the kitchen around 9.30 and I'll usually work till about 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, because I have other responsibilities. I have two teenage children. I have the farm uh, and other things. So I have to spread my time around a bit. So uh, that's Monday to Friday. That's that'll be a normal sort of day. And then during the day in here, I mean, there's two two main products that we'll make. One is pasta, and it's a, a southern Italian style of pasta. Uh, and we also make it like an oven baked flatbread, which is very very, very popular. Um, and and it's really nice. And people come in all the time and talk to us. So I'm always stopping working, talking to people about food. I've tried to. What I've tried to do in the kitchen, which it's been quite successful, there's, so I have a brother-in-law who lives in Japan. We spent a bit of time there. And I really liked what a lot of the noodle makers there near where he lives do. And it's, I don't know if I'm quite using, I hope I'm using the word correctly, I'm doing it justice, but um, shokunin, which is sort of mastery of one's craft. And they, they just make that one kind of noodle and they'll make it all their life. And they become known as you know, the specialists in that kind of noodle. And in the front of their shop, um, up on against the window, they'll put the bags of the, the raw product of the flour that they use just to show passing clientele the, the high quality of the product they're using. So we've done kind of a, a, a similar version in, in our own Braidwood way here. So in our front windows, we stack up the, the, the semolina we use and the flour um, that we use and so on just to show people. And then people can come and watch us and... We just have a really small range of things. I mean, the pasta I make, even though some of them are flavoured and some aren't, it's just the one dough I do again and again and again. I don't have a huge range of, of, of different you know, um, doughs I, I, I make. I have uh, one, one kind. I bought a, a made-to-water machine from Italy, so it's all sort of a southern Italian style of pasta that we do again and again. Tim makes only one type of dough for his various pasta products, inspired by Japanese noodle maker Singular Focus. Like I said, I've had this lifelong love of pasta, even though it wasn't really part of my training. I've made it all my life. So for me, it was a pretty natural progression as we grew the business to, to continue on that path. Um, we use a single origin semolina from Tamworth that we buy from a family who grows, harvests and mills it themselves and rainwater. So it's simple. That's one thing I really enjoy. It's, it's, it's flour and water. That's all it is really, although there's so much more to know about it. Um, and we've tried as in, in every way to 
make a, a product I really would call a, a true artisanal product. So it's how we mix it, how we extrude it. Now it's all a lot, of, a lot of people who are making artisanal pasta are just brass extruding, but we've treated our brass dyes in a certain wash before we use them to add a little bit more more surface um, texture so that translates to the pasta. It's a little bit rougher, holds the sauce a little bit better. Um, you know, we slow dry it at very low temperatures. It takes up to 80 hours to dry. We've, we've started making our, our own drying system here. Uh, all dried on wooden racks from Italy. Um, so, yeah, so we've tried to sort of take it to the the take it to the max in a way, if you like. So we've taken all those sort of you know techniques that you would think of as, as traditional and our artisanal pasta production, and and incorporated them in a in our own style into the into the process right the way through. And the results uh, results have been great. We're really happy with them, and we get a lot of customer loyalty. I think that's probably why they're consistently. That style of pasta really is a really nice pasta to eat and a, a really unique mouthfeel as well that you don't get from you know, your supermarket pasta or anything like that at all. It's, it's really, really different. Um, the flatbreads. So that was my wife's idea. I poo-pooed the idea for a while. I said, no one, no one wants that. She said, no, do it, do it. So I made one up using our own pepper and it just took off. Um, and now we have four different flavours. All the flavour ingredients from around Braidwood, from local growers and, and producers. And um, I think we came. I think we did about twenty thousand units last year. So it's really, really taken off. And again, there's a really good level of customer loyalty with the same people coming back to our retailers. We sell through about thirty-five or forty places now. Um, as our, our retail footprint expands. And it's been a really nice journey to, to, to do that. Most of our retailers are, are small, family-owned places. We know them on a, on a first-name basis. When we do deliveries, we stop and talk to them about food and, and you know, so on. It's a really nice way to be. Although the fires devastated his orchard, he's slowly bringing it back. So we're re-establishing the orchard. T to be honest, I've got, I'm so busy in the kitchen, I'm not putting as much time into the orchard as I thought I would. Um, so I've only got about 250 plants back in the orchard. We're aiming for about 1,000. Um, but I propagate them all myself from cuttings. And, you know, the truth is, to get really good cuttings, you need a good a good harvest season and last season was really poor so we didn't have a lot of good plants to choose from so that slows us down but I'm, I'm working with a few other local landholders and helping them establish orchards on their place uh, on their farms uh, with a view to like and I don't charge them I just give them whatever experience I've got um, but with a view to buying their crop wholesale once they're up and running as well and then that way I can expand my my um my uh, ability to get enough, you know, to get enough pepper in to, uh, to continue without having a huge orchard myself. So I'll just try and limit myself to a thousand plants. Mountain pepper is an extraordinary product and not what people might expect. It, it is not like a black pepper at all. It's completely different. In fact, it's not a peppercorn. People talk about peppercorn. They're not. They're berries. They're fruit. So they're citrusy and they're spicy. Um, they look like little, when they're dry, like little black peppercorns. They're not. They're a dark purple. And you do have to be a little bit careful because the berries will, if depending on what you, you're using with, turn your food purple uh, if you didn't want that. Um, but they're great. And one thing that we also use that very few other people do is we use the mountain pepper leaf. Um, the chemical that's in the berry to give it the heat is in the leaf as well. And um, we dry kilos of leaves and I grind them usually 
and, and filter them and use them as a use it as a powder. And I'll do that in pasta. I'll use that in a Middle Eastern spice mix I make and all sorts of things like that. Um, not so much is known about native pepper. Well, there's very few native foods which are, have been commercialised, which is a shame because there's so much potential out there. This is one that has been, but it's still really in its infancy, I think. Most of the industry is in Tasmania. Um, I'm pretty sure we started the first commercial native pepper orchard in New South Wales. We may still have the only one, as far as I'm aware. Um, And, yes, very little is known. I mean, it was only a few years ago that uh, some uh, researcher from Tasmania worked out how the thing was pollinated. Um, That's, you know, it's really in its infancy. It really is. And people come to me with all sorts of questions, and half the questions I don't have an answer for because I just don't know either. It's been a really steep learning curve, and I I know a lot about the plant now. Um, And... Uh, there's lots we don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of the, you know, about the indigenous use, I think, that we don't know. Um, what we do know is that it was used as a medicine, not as a food, because it has such a high antibacterial property, um, really, really off, off the scale. So there's, I think there's industry interest in all sorts of areas because of those properties, but none of them have really been explored. I always joke, you know, you go to Palmer House in Canberra, there's, there's big oil, there's big cotton, there's big beef. There's no big pepper in there lobbying for research to be done on this plant and <laughs> to, to upscale it. But, you know, we're doing what we can and it's still, it's still a small industry. Yeah. The change has completely altered Tim's life, where food and family are now at the core of everything he does. When I came back to Australia before I started the business, I wasn't really sure what was next. So it sort of led me down a path that I, I happily went down, but I wasn't expecting. Um, some people might describe me as a bit of a food tragic. I'm not. I don't think that's maybe a little unfair. I just love food. Always have, and have always been involved in doing you know, some something in my life with it. And it's been a really nice way to to build. A, now I'm a little older. It's really relaxed lifestyle around the business. Um, you know, like I said, I spend half my day talking to people about food, not actually making it, which is kind of nice. We make plenty of it. And the business, because of what we've we've made, and it's been really well accepted, it's grown by itself, which is nice. I'm not really I'm not really great at, you know, getting out there and selling selling my wares. I mean, back when, when I was a photographer in the old days and I, was a, I started as a freelance, I was awful because I didn't really want to go and ring people up and ask them to, to employ me. So it's been a really, really nice journey and really relaxed. And it allows us out here to, to lead sort of the lifestyle that we were after when we came back to Australia. You know, it's a small town. It's, it's relaxing, but it really punches above its weight when it comes to, to food and wine and, and so on. So we tend to enjoy just living in this environment where we're surrounded by other producers and, and food people and we can, we can just make the most of just living here as well as running a business in the industry. It's growing still and it's growing nicely and we're expanding our retail footprint at the moment. Um, you know, at the moment, we've got a lot of retailers in, in Canberra expanding onto the south coast, southern highlands. We've had this year especially a number of inquiries from Sydney so we may look distribution is always the the real challenge for a small business but there are solutions for those challenges and once we come up with what we're really happy with to deal with that I think you'll you'll see our product in Sydney before too long. Tim's dedication has created a truly artisan bespoke quality product and a way of life in food many could aspire to. This is The Producers, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm Anthony Huckstep.
Stay tuned as we share the stories of producers, farmers, makers, and growers, the true lifeblood of the food industry. Follow us on Instagram at Producers Podcast or email us at producerspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au.